Welcome to the Behind the Goals podcast, the podcast about fans, for fans and by fans. Please welcome your hosts, Andrew Jenkin and Alan Russell. So hello and welcome to Behind the Goals. This is episode 12 um, and today Andrew and I are going to be talking to Chris Ewing of Edusport Academy. Uh, also uh, known as ourfootballclub.com, uh, who have launched over the last few weeks. Uh, Andrew, you, you were at the launch event at Hamden. Um, tell me a bit about, about what happened there before we start talking to Chris. Yeah, so um, really interesting character, uh, former professional footballer uh, with Motherwell. Um, I think since then he's he's gone into sort of be a bit of an entrepreneur, set up, set up an academy, uh, in France and 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 his sort of the model is um, as a French French academy playing in the in the Lowland leagues. Um, in the interview, we sort of pick his brains, or he he describes the, the sort of challenge that the club has faced in terms of um, getting membership to the the, the SFA and the Lowland league, which is really interesting. Um, and and now what he's trying to do is uh, for a club that hasn't got any sort of traditional fan base or or heritage or a traditional community even for that sense for that matter, is try and create something new, be a bit different, be a bit innovative, and I think use a bit of his entrepreneurial uh, talents which are quite clear to apply it to the football club and help them sort of propel them through the leagues as he says he's quite bold in in his sort of uh, claim that he wants to get the club to the Premiership by twenty twenty five but. You know, also as he says, it's if you if you keep doing the same thing again and again, and you and you don't have any ambition, then you don't end up going anywhere. So, um, a really good uh, opportunity to chat to him and pick his brains more about the project. That's right. Um, he, he's not the he's not the first to uh, to want to imagine a club being the third force in Scottish football or to get to the Premier or to or to transform itself. But uh, to my mind, he's the first that's take that's that's done it by creating something something new. Rather than taking an existing club and trying to trying to change its fortunes, um, so this is strikes me as something quite different to, to things that we've seen before, um, and so certainly worth you know exploring and trying to trying to understand what's going on there, what it is that, that Chris is trying to do through Edusport Academy, um, and uh, and see what will happen at the end of that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's delve into the conversation. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us, Chris. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to speak to us. I suppose the first question is, um, could you tell us a little bit about our football club and what you're trying to do with Edusport Academy? <clears throat> Certainly, yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on today. Um, ourfootballclub.com is a new project that we launched almost a month ago now. And the idea is to differentiate the, the business model between the Edusport Academy Football uh, Club and the Edusport Academy Academy. Um, when I created the Edusport Academy itself in 2011, I did so um, just really to set up a football academy, providing young footballers with education and football development. But since we've now became a football club, um, playing in the, the South of Scotland League, and now, of course, having won the South of Scotland League last year, now playing in the Lowland League, then we're faced with a challenge with, with the existing current business model. Um, and what, what I wanted to try and do was create a community um, and create a fan base and I felt that we were quite challenged to do so view the fact that we had a lack of history um, and we didn't really have a community so I came up with the idea of ourfootballclub.com to try and create an online community of supporter who will essentially pay £25 to become a member and they will have um, a voice on the running of the club and they will be able to impact decisions on the club. 
um, one of the one of the, the key decisions being the new name of the club. What we're going to try and do with the, the project ourfootballclub.com is is actually rebrand the football club, and the members will have a say in that, amongst other things. When when are you hoping to have a name sorted by? Hopefully for next season. So obviously, as you can imagine, there's a, a kind of time frame involved. We have to obviously decide on the, the name. Um, so the members have to decide, they have to vote on that, and then we have to go and take it to the professional game board and also the Lone League board um, for approval. So hopefully um, we can get that in place for, for the start of next season. And what, what are the other uh, types of things that members can get involved with in terms of the, the running of the club? Um, it's, it's all sorts of things, you know. Um, first, as I said, the rebranding of the club, so it's the name, the logo, the logo design, the... the um, an opinion on the strip design. It's also the allocation of the budgets, player recruitment, um, strategy of the club. We can actually even elect some members onto a, a board, mm-hmm. um, where they can have a, 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 a you know a, a say in all matters relating to the board and the running of a football club, as well. Um, so there's there's basically anything that involves the running of a football club, they can have a say in it. You know. Um, where we would draw the line, though, is, is things like they don't get to pick the team or anything like that. That's always going to be the coach and the, ma- the management staff that will do that. Yeah. Um, I- but essentially, I mean, apart from having the, the, an input and apart from having a voice into the running of the football club, it gives them an identity. And it, it, as I've said before, I'll say again, this is a project that really goes beyond football. And it's a human project and it's about getting people from all over the world to share the passion of football. Um, who, who are ambitious and who want something new and different and bringing them, really essentially giving them a forum to come together um, and, and really be involved in this exciting project on a football level but also on a, on a human level as well, you know. Mm. So, tell us a bit, Chris, about um, about what's happening on the field. You, you say you, you're in the Lone League now after a successful season last year and yeah. you're based down in the borders uh, in, in Annan, is that right? We play our home games at Annan, believe it or not. Yeah, we actually train up in Glasgow at Lesser Hamden and we play our home games at Gallabank, yeah. Yeah. And how's, how's the season going so far? Um, how, are you, how are you doing in the Welland League? We're, we're doing okay. I mean, I would say we're probably sitting uncomfortably mid-table, if you like. <laughs> I know the feeling. Um, so we're always kind of looking, tend not to, but always find yourself looking at the clubs below you, you know, seeing where you are and whatnot, you know, but... As I said before, it's a really, I mean, the Lowland League's an excellent, it's an excellent league, you know, it's, it's a fun, for me it's a fantastic um, setup, and it's, it's excellent for us to be involved in that, and, and we've always said since the beginning, you know, the, the first year is about really trying to consolidate, I know it sounds like a cliche, but it really is, especially with the, the, the type of football club that the Sport Academy has been, and this is what we're trying to get away from as well with ourfootballclub.com. But it's, it's really been a, a year-upon-year football club where you bring in new players every year because they're in the academy. And, and anybody knows that you can't really build a successful football club on that model. You know, you need to have some roots, you need to have a recruitment strategy, you have to have some longevity, you have to have players over a number of seasons where we can develop them, you know, and really create a, a footballing culture. And that's been difficult. Um, so if we can finish this season, um, you know, above third third bottom um, then, then we're happy with that you know and it gives us a platform to really go and build for next season Have you found the move into the Lone League has is, is, uh, enabled you to get uh, a different calibre of player into the academy is it, has it had an impact on, on the football development side there and the player development Yeah I think so I mean I think 
Um, up until this year, I think people were really largely unaware of who we were and what we do, and I think there's been a lot of misconception, and I think that's why there's a lot of reticence towards the Sport Academy by the traditionalists, because I think a lot of people, um, you know, misunderstood exactly who we were and what the, the aims of the, the football club were. A lot of people thought it was an agency that bring in players from France and try and get them pro clubs in Scotland and X, Y, Z, and that's certainly not the case, you know. So I think with this being in the loan league this season, um, and people see that we're actually we have good coaches and good football people if you like at the helm um, and we try to play football the right way and, and we do things professionally I think people have actually within the Lone League anyway I think they would, they would certainly argue that we've, we've been benefit to the, 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 the Lone League on a footballing level um, and I think we've made some friends along the way um, and I think that goes for opposition fans as well who've actually seen us play and I think been quite surprised I think if you look okay at the, the table but if you look some of the games that we've played in against the top teams, Jurisco Brides, East Stirling, Spartans, we've, we've never been disgraced. You know, we've, all, we've, we've lost those game, games to the odd goal um, and we've given those teams good games, you know. So I think that in itself is testament to the, the coaching staff and the players that we have because it is a good standard of football, you know. You've got some fairly well-known names as well involved there on the coaching side. Um, one that's very well-known to me from uh, from my Wraith Rovers connection, uh, Colin Cameron, he's involved, is that right? He's the Collins been involved with myself now for a, for a number of years, um, and he's the head coach of the under twenties. So we have obviously the first team who play in the Lowland League. We have the under twenties who play on a Friday evening uh, in the Development League, and Collins the head coach there. So yeah, I mean, it's like everything else. Again, it's an old cliche, but you're only as good as your worst coach, you know. And apart from trying to have good coaches who are competent and knowledgeable about the game, it's also about having good people involved, you know, and guys who who are on the same page and create a good working environment and create a real positive culture. Um, and that's something that we really strive towards at the academy. You know, it's about being positive. It's about having professional people in place and really just good guys, you know. Mm. So that helps lend itself to, to a really good environment. Mm. Just just talking about the Lowland League there, obviously you, you, you've kind of gone on record and you said that you... The club aspires to be in the in the Premiership by 2025. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. look, looking at the, the Lowland League itself, I mean, there's some good. Since the pyramid structures opened up, there's been quite a lot of ambitious clubs uh, in the league and in the Highland League as well. How do you? How difficult do you think the first sort of uh, barrier will be in terms of of getting out of the Lowland League? Listen, Andrew. First and foremost, I should say that when we did say that, we say that with the utmost respect to every single club in the Lowland League, above the Lowland League and below the Lowland League. You know, and, and yeah. You know, it's a bold statement, but you, you have to have a bold statement because you have to have a statement that makes people sit up and take notice. You know, you have to have a statement that inspires people. You know, if I was to come at Hamden last month and say, yeah, ourfootballclub.com, let's um, sign up for this and let's hope we finish in the top six next season, that's not going to inspire anybody, you know. So, and apart from anything else, I do believe that there is a potential and a possibility for us to be in, in the, the Premiership by 2025 mm-hmm. if if we have enough members, if we have enough people who go online and pay £25 and it's a modern type of crowdfunding and it's like anything else, and I've said this again before, if you look across world football, you will see, generally speaking, the club who has the most resources tend to do the best in the league. So if you look at, for example, here in France, there's PSG. If you look down in England, you've got Manchester City. You look, look all over the world and it's the same. And the same principle follows sweet with the Lowland League, except instead of talking about millions of pounds, they're talking about thousands of pounds, you know, and if you look at the top clubs in the Lowland League, Spartans, East Kilbride, East Stirling, BSC, 
you would probably say that those those guys have the best players because they can probably pay those players the, the most amount of money as opposed to the other clubs in the bottom. So if, if you work in that principle, then there's absolutely no reason why if we have enough members and we generate enough income that can be spent wisely on the best quality of player, we can get up out of the Lowland League. Now, this, this ourfootballclub.com project is a project that I believe that's based on momentum. You know, I think we have to have a really good shot at next season and been challenging for the league for next season. Um, if we finish the league next season mid-table or towards the bottom, then you could argue that the project itself has been a failure. If we're challenging to win the league, then that's the first step. You know, and if we are able to get at the Lowland League next year or the following year, then I think then people would say, okay, well, this is the first step on, on the ladder and, and, you know, there's a momentum there, there's an interest and people start taking the project slightly that a little bit more seriously, you know. Mm. Just talking about membership there, how, how many kind of members are you looking to attain or do you not have a sort of set figure in mind? Oh, I don't know. It's always dangerous if you come up with set figures because then it always leads to a disappointment, I believe, and you always sure. think, you know, at the moment we're working towards a thousand. If we can get up to two thousand, three thousand, then I think we start having enough um, to start to make an impact. Um, so we obviously we launched last month in Hamden, and we've had an, an amazing response. You know, we've been in quite a lot of uh, newspapers and the radio and different things. We have, we have literally we have guys signed up from over twenty-five different countries in the world, mm-hmm. um, and that for me is an amazing feat. That's really humbling. You know, to think that we have guys who are now looking at for Edge Sport Academy who live in Australia, who live in New Zealand, who live in America, um, and a lot of people have criticised us over the last couple of years, saying, "Oh, Edge Sport Academy, we have no fans, you have no ground, you have no history." Um, but now we have fans all over the world, and there's not many Lowland League clubs can see that. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I like about uh, what you're trying to do with our football club is it it does challenge the status quo. You know, it 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 does take that idea of the traditional football club and challenge it. And um, and I, you know, I think if you can do that, then kudos to you, especially for trying something new and innovative. And I know in the past we've spoken about what you're trying to do is almost reaching that kind of audience of FIFA and football manager fans that yep. want to have a bit more involvement in their club. Um, and I wonder how many other clubs will look at what you're doing, you know, as a pioneer in that sense and, and, and borrow from it in the future. Yeah, possibly. And I mean, see, another thing as well, I mean, a lot of people say, oh yeah, you're challenging tradition and that kind of thing. It's quite simply, we're doing what's, what's best for our football club. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have, at the moment, we don't have a choice really if we, if we look at, and again I've said this before but but you know people say oh you're crazy to think about Premiership 2025 but crazy I believe is doing the same thing year in year out and expecting different results now if we want to challenge for the Lone League if we want to be successful then we need to change the business model the business model that we have at the moment is not set up to sustain an ambitious football club so that's why we had to come up with something that suited our football club and we believe that, that this is the best option for us, you know, and I think it's an exciting project and it's something that, that inspires me as a, you know, as if you're like an entrepreneur or a, a business owner, you know, I think the fact that we've got guys from all over the world signed up, the, the potential in this kind of project is something that really excites me. And I think that's what it should be about. It should be about something exciting. It should be about involving people. It should be pulling together the power of people, the power of football. Um, and, and us as a brand new club with no history, if you like, with no um, ground, if you like, with no inner po- internal politics, we are, you know, ideally set up for this kind of uh, project, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're never, you're never really going to get um, comparisons to what happened down Ebsfleet through my football club. 
Yeah, and we should we should stress it's a it's a different model, uh, it's different organisations. There's no links between the, the two projects. No, uh, no, no, no. I mean, there's then there's some quite distinct differences between what you're doing and, and what was done down there. The ones that you just told, spoke about, you know, you're taking a new club with without that that history and tradition and established fans and established identity and creating something new rather than adapting something that was already there. To me, that's that's one of the biggest differences. But yeah. also the way that your your project is structured is quite different. Can you tell us a little bit about, about the differences between what people might think this is and what it actually is, uh, and what you've also learned from what happened down in Ebsfleet? Yeah, of course, you know, and it's fair comment because you're not the first person to allude to the Ebsfleet. Um, in fact, it wasn't my, well, it was actually myfootballclub.com at that time. And I think our name... Um, shows exactly the, the spirit in which this project is intended because it's not my football club, it's our football club, you know, and that that's okay, that's playing a little bit on words, but it's so important because it, that's what it is, it's our football club, you know, it's about, it's about the community and it's about what we can do together. Um, one, one of the key differences, as you quite rightly said, for me is that when my football club went into buy, Ebsfleet, they went into an existing club that had an existing fan base, they had an existing structure and an existing politics, so there was, a, there was already a conflict from the off. That doesn't. That's not the case with with Edge Sport Academy and with our football club. It's a brand new football club. Um, people are buying a membership as well. That's important to stress. Um, it's not shares. They don't become owners of the football club. They become a member in the first instance. That's something we might look at further down the line. Um, but it's a, a different set of circumstances, and it's also a different time. Today we're in two thousand and eighteen, um, and I feel that there's a there's a new generation of football fan. I think, Andrew, you, you had spoken about football manager and about FIFA Ultimate Team, but there is a new generation of football fan out there who are looking for a new supporter experience, and this is what we're trying to deliver. We're not trying to just say, OK, you pay £25 and you, you, you own part of a football club or, you own, or you're a member of a football club. We're trying to say you pay £25 for an experience. It's a product and it's a service. It's like anything else. When you pay money for something, you expect something in return. And what we are trying to give members, apart from an identity, is a real supporter experience that's unique, that's modern, that's apt for a, for a new generation of football fan in 2018 through internet, through Facebook, through Twitter, through YouTube. Um, and, and what we're going to do and what we've started doing is, is filming games and filming training sessions. And we've asked, we've asked the community what questions they would like to ask the coaching staff through the forums. And then we've went to training and we've We've asked Ricky Waddle and Colin Cameron the questions and that will go online and, and this, so you could be sitting in your office in Australia and you can have a question for the coach and he'll answer your question and you'll see that on, on, on camera. You know, So it's really what we're trying to do with the football club is open it up and invite the members in really into the heart of the football club to look at the really inner, inner sanctum, if you like, of a football club, you know. And I don't think that's ever been done before at this level. So, so it's exciting. Yeah, technology makes a lot of that possible, and that that just wasn't available uh, earlier. So, you know, you're, it sounds like you're taking advantage of you know some of those some of those um, those possibilities there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I think in any, I think you guys all know yourself now. We talk about content a lot, you know, and it's about um, engaging people, and it's people are immune to advertising. I feel like so you have to bring things to life. You know, you have to make people feel that they're welcome and. The, the value of their opinion, you know, and, and that's what we do, and, and that's really the case. And I think what I've done with Edge Sport Academy is I created this football academy, if you like, and then I created this football club from that. And I remember I went into Hamden and I, I sat in front of the professional game board and I, 
you know, I fought my corner for membership and I was actually refused. They just got a kind of member actually refused membership in the first instance. So I appealed that and I went back up again up to Hamden and I sat in front of Mr. Ralph Toppin and Stuart Regan and, and all their colleagues up there. You know, and I felt this is it, you know, this is my this is the one shot I got at it, you know, and I fought my corner and, and thankfully the, the professional game board looked at it and they offered us they awarded us SFA membership if you like. So, you know, we went through this process to make the Edgesport Academy what, what we are today. And what we're doing with our football club is we're essentially giving that away, if you like. We're actually saying, well, Chris Ewing, as the owner of the football club, he can't do it all by himself, you know. And I don't want to do it all by myself, I want to share that, you know. So what we're saying is for £25, buy a membership, come on board, have a voice, and let's share this amongst ourselves. And let's see what we can do together. And I think that's what's really, really exciting and that's what really inspires me because even since I've been on the forums over the last few weeks, some of the guys from all over the world, you know, you can just see the, the passion they have already. You can see that they're really excited, they're really looking forward to the challenges ahead. And that's it's amazing, you know, it really vindicates um, my decision a month ago to launch this project. Yeah. One one of the things I I really like about what you stated on your website and and, and the uh, the launch event that I was at as well at Hamden is um if you reached was it ten thousand members you were going to make a contribution back to the to the local community in donations. Yeah, that's exactly correct. If we if we can reach ten thousand members, then we're going to ring fence fifty thousand pounds for grassroots development. That's great. So, um, and so do- that would be excellent if we can get up to ten thousand, and that obviously. Again, it's about spreading the word and, and getting it out there. But, but again, I mean, it's another thing, another misconception, speaking about me as, as the owner of the academy, I feel like, I mean, I'm, a lot of people think, oh, this guy lives in Paris, um, you know, he's, he's got this club, he comes back and forward. A lot of people, I mean, you guys will know yourself that there's been a lot of criticism labelled towards the Sport Academy because of the, the type of football club we are, because it's French footballers who've come in. I mean, one, one journalist actually called the Sport Academy um, a vulgar creation you know and I'm absolutely amazed that people today would actually have that small minded attitude to, to mm-hmm. call a football club a vulgar creation because it doesn't fit within tradition mm-hmm. um, you know but I think what, when you look at what we've achieved in a short period of time um, we actually won the South of Scotland League we won the South of Scotland League Cup the South of Scotland League Cup was actually on, it, um, on show in Hamden for two years um, you know we've managed to get SFA membership club licence Another football club.com is, is another step in the, the history, if you like, the, the Edgesport Academy. So some people argue we don't have history. We actually have quite a lot for a small club that's just started up a few years ago, you know. Mm. Um, so, so again, it's, it's about getting the word out there and getting people to, 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 to share the same values as us. And if we can reach 10,000 members, then, then we'll give £50,000 back into the grassroots community. Um, and again, just to go back to the point, I live in Paris and back and forward. I've been very fortunate. Very, very fortunate to be able to, to, to earn my living in football and working with young people. Um, but never for a minute did I, did I forget where I'm from. You know, I'm from Glasgow, I'm working class. I came to Paris with 40 quid in my pocket all these years ago. And everything we have today, we work hard for it. You know, so it's, it's important as well that people realise that. And if we can give money back or give something back into the grassroots, um, then all the better for it, you know. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very laudable uh, sort of target to to reach. Do you have a any idea what type of projects you'll be helping to fund, or at this stage it's sort of undetermined? No, but one of the ideas, something that that, that motivates me, I think, is having a, a number of different potential um, projects and maybe putting that to our own membership, you know, and where they feel that that money could be better, best spent, you know, because obviously. Mm. 
fifty thousand pound grassroots football is uh, it means a lot and it means nothing at the same time, you know. So I think it would be nice if we could identify where that money could be best served. Um, and we would actually, our membership would have a vote on where that money should go and how we, we would spend that for the better of the game, basically, in Scotland. Yeah. You, you spoke a little bit about the struggle you had in terms of getting the membership in the first place and, and fighting your fighting your corner on that. Um, it seems to me as if, you know, what you're proposing to do and what everything you've done today has been very innovative and it's, it's sort of challenged the status quo, um, even down to, you know, our football club just now, but even in this first instance in terms of the model and, and how the players of the squad were made up. Is that something you think Scottish football needs to, to think about? Is that, you know, Scottish football hasn't been innovative enough over the last couple of years? Obviously, you've come along with something completely new and different and really challenged that. And how much do you think that's going to change in the, in the years to come? I don't know. I mean, that's the million-dollar question. It's far, far be it from me to speak out Scottish football and, 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 and individual clubs. You know, again, we came up with this through necessity, essentially, because um, we have, if we want to grow as a football club, we have to think outside the box, you know. But I think innovation has its place, um, not just in football, but I think we have to look at other different sectors. And you know, I just done my Masters recently, um, and I think you're going, to go, you're going to embark on that yourself shortly, aren't you, a Masters? <laughs> So, so, so good luck with that. Thank you. Um, but, but innovation is one of the things today that comes up a lot in business. You know, it's about how can we do things differently, how can we do things better. Um, and I think we're at that point that the football fan of 2018, it's not the same football fan in 15, 20 years ago. You know, society has changed. Mm. And I think we as a, as a sport and as clubs, we have to change with that, you know, and we have to, to engage with that. You know, for example, here in France, I know that the French Football Federation uh, working with companies in technology and innovation to try and put better use to urban space for football and how they can increase participation through that. So so there's a lot that can be done. I think we need to we need to sit down and, and ask ourselves where we are and where we're going and how we can get there. And I think doing the same things year upon year, expecting different results, it's not going to happen, you know, so we do have to be innovative. Mm. Um, so I think we're, we're getting there I think we're on that, that track I think there's a lot of good people in Scott, within Scottish football that do have good ideas um, sometimes I don't think we always get the, the credit that we deserve in Scottish football I think we have a tendency to beat ourselves up a lot of the time and I think that's quite simply because as a nation as a national team we haven't qualified for a major tournament for a number of years almost for a generation so I think that's the first thing we have to do and if we can get that right, the national team, then I think so, so So many things will follow suit after that, you know. Mm. There is that atmosphere of negativity around Scottish football. Um, I mean, I, I see it around clubs. I mean, so many clubs claim that their supporters are the most negative in Scotland and uh, the worst at booing their own team. And I, and I think, actually, no one's the worst at it. It's just something that's, that's kind of widespread across, across Scotland is we're very quick to spot the things that we don't like. And a little bit more reticent to, 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 to notice and to talk about the things that we do like and that what you've talked about that sort of nature of innovation I mean a, a natural part of innovation is that not all not all things that you try will work uh, and rather than being scared to try something new actually embracing it seeing what you can do seeing what's possible seeing what you can learn from it um, is, is a much healthier sort of mindset to have so I'm, you know, I'm usually encouraged that there are people still out there that, that want to innovate and want to do things with football clubs that are a little bit different, that are going to try and sort of, you know, bend the norms um, and try and break out of that sort of negative mindset. Totally, exactly. I mean, I, I, I'm well aware that, that I put myself out there when, I, when I'm coming in hand in and saying 2025 Premiership. I know that if that doesn't work, then 
there will be a lot of people hoping it doesn't work just because that's the nature of some people. But there's going to be a lot of egg in my face, and it's. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm big enough to take that, and 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 that's fine, you know. But even I mean, if you look at Rangers, Craig Mulholland last year, he pulled Rangers at the development league, and they decided that it was better for the development of their players to go and play against European competition, and that's sparked quite a lot of debate. Personally, I think that's an excellent idea. You know, I think that's fantastic, and I think. Um, for example, we had we had a couple of players on loan. In fact, we still have a player on loan from Rangers at the moment. But they were playing with us in the Lowland League, and then they were flying away to Valencia during the week to play against Valencia, or they were they were going to to Munich to play against Bayern Munich, and then they were coming back and playing with us in the Lowland League. You know, and I think that's that's excellent. It's an excellent experience if the club has the the resources to be able to do that. Then it's an excellent experience for these young footballers um, because it gives them such a um, a new experience playing against top European quality opposition um, so that for me was an excellent piece of innovation from Craig Mulholland mm. Yeah. Mm. and and just um, tell us another uh, another thing about Edge of Sport because it doesn't just stop with football does it you've got sort of plans and aspirations to, to branch out and, and work in other areas of, of sport yeah yeah. Well, we actually have a small rugby academy at the moment and again it's very much based on the it's the same philosophy that if you combine sport with education and an experience abroad that can only be beneficial. Um, and that's really based on my own experience when I went to America as a young student athlete. Um, and now obviously living in France, I just believe that there's so much to be said about giving a young person an opportunity to go abroad. And if we can combine that with education and use their passion of sport to develop that, then it's, it's a win-win. So we're looking to replicate the same model that we originally created with Edusport Football Academy. Um, and we have a small rugby academy. Um, we're looking to develop that this year and try and bring over bring over more rugby players. Um, and we're also in partnership with the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland um, to bring over young French dancers into Scotland to combine dance and performance with, with English language. Um, and we signed a partnership with the Johan Cruyff Institute, which is a university based in Barcelona, so that our students next year, they can have a a certificate and a diploma in sports management through the University of Johan Cruyff. That's superb. That's really, really good. Um, And one final thing, one thing we ask all our guests on the podcast is if they could change one thing about Scottish football, what would it be? Um, And I suppose you're a good good person to ask. If we could change one thing about Scottish football, what would it be? Yes. That's a good question. I, like, I quite like Scottish football the way it is, to be honest, you know. Um, put me on the spot. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy with it as it is. If we could maybe change, probably maybe bring down ticket prices so it's more accessible to, to everybody. Maybe that that's a big thing. You know, I think we always look at the... We always say, oh, yeah, that, you know, there's not a lot of fans in the stadiums. I think we're actually... As a nation, I think we have more people go to the games per head of population in any other country in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be good to see ticket prices lowered so that the so that we can get as many people as possible to go to the games on a Saturday. I think that would be excellent if we could do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, thank you very much for your for your time, Chris. Really appreciate that, and and thanks very much for speaking to us. No, guys, listen. Thanks very much for having me on on today. It was excellent to chat with you. So there we go. That was Chris Ewing. Massive thanks to Chris for joining us on the podcast behind the goals to to talk to us um, and just to get a bit more detail about what he, uh, his aspirations for our football club are. Um, you know, I think as he points out and he correctly identifies, he's sort of created a target in himself and uh, in that they want to achieve uh, Premier League status by 
2025, which is very bold, but um, it's good to see somebody doing something different and challenging the status quo. Um, you know, there are a couple of pitfalls that I'm sure he'll be aware of um, in terms of just the sustainability of the model in, in some respects, which is ultimately what let down um, Ebsfleet, which a lot of people are sort of quick to draw the comparison to. But, you know, I think all in all, um, kudos to Chris for, for trying something different. And um, if nothing else, you know, at least he'll keep some other clubs on their toes. And I think we shouldn't just accept that there's 42 SPFL league clubs and 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 you know a small pyramid below that but actually now it's an open shop and there's lots of aspirational clubs down there that all want to do something different and Chris has clearly developed a really unique selling point and I think he's tapped into something there um with the kind of generation of football fans that are emerging um that are really keen on on you on YouTube and uh that's how they they consume their football media these days and you've got um You've got FIFA and football managers, all these football fans that want to feel closer to their clubs and feel like they have a greater influence in their clubs. And I think he's tapped into something there, and I'd be really interested to see how that progresses. What did you think, Alan? Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, the, the thing you mentioned there about the, about the pyramid. Um, so it's, it's, only, it's very recently that Scottish football, the, the senior leagues of Scottish football, have been opened up um, to a pyramid below. Um, and I think... The first couple of years, when we have the Lowland League and Highland League able to, um, to for, for clubs to be able to progress into the into the forty two, we think of that as it's just one level below the forty two. But actually, there's a lot of levels below the forty two, uh, and you know there's there's new entrants to the Lowland League and the Highland League every season, and there's new clubs being formed that can get into, for example, East of Scotland League. Mm. Um, so it's it's a really interesting time to look at the the levels of football below the 42 and see so where are the where are the the new players going to emerge and uh, the new clubs that are going to forge a, a strong identity do something innovative and do something do something that's fit for the 21st century rather than just ex- accepting that you know you know the way things have always been over 150 years of scottish football are the way things are always going to be so mm-hmm. i think that's really positive and, and actually creating creating a brand new club almost out of nowhere, I mean, it probably wasn't completely out of nowhere, it was at least in Chris's head, so it was somewhere for him, but um, but it was a completely new entity in Scottish football um, a few years ago, and then to transform that and then take a place in the Lowland League, have this campaign um, to try and give it the momentum that's going to allow it to uh, to move further upwards is, is really exciting. Yes, um, yeah. I think we should be excited about these innovations rather than fearful of them or sceptical about them. And just because Ebsley didn't work on a different model, uh, we shouldn't dismiss any new model of, of uh, even if the name is kind of similar, uh, it's different. Uh, and the, definitely the idea behind it is different. So I think this is a really positive thing. And I hope it, I hope Chris's passion and enthusiasm for, for Edusport and what he's doing there is a magnet for other people who are positive and excited and passionate about doing something new and trying something different, You know, taking a risk, being innovative, seeing what works, what doesn't. Um, so I think it's I think it's good. I think it's a good chat, um, and only time will tell um, how successful it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I I, I do look at it, and um, I even saw this week that Clyde Bank wanted to um, sort of restore their SPFL membership at some point and sort of put that yeah. uh, out as a target. So you you do have quite big players in the in the lower leagues which and even in below that and which is good and i do look at the a lot of spfl clubs and i wonder where they're going you know what direction they're heading and um you know you do wonder what their 
unique selling point is or what's going to give them an edge over a lot of other clubs that have got a, perhaps a similar size fan base. So it's it's really um, intriguing to see somebody with quite an entrepreneurial background and mindset try and apply that to a football club. Um, and as you say, I think it can only be a good thing for Scottish football, especially if other clubs learn from it as well uh, and, and improve on it. And, um, you know, as we say, keep them on their toes and improve their offering to their own supporters in terms of how they can get involved. Um, you know, I think a lot of clubs would sort of uh, supporters of other clubs would be t- horrified to think of changing names and badges. But for, for a new club like our football club in that sense it's you know it's not the same threat is it to that sort of yeah, heritage you, you, and culture you don't have the same legacy the, the same heritage so it's actually it, that's something that, that that with a new entity people can be quite excited about and create something new yeah. so good luck to them absolutely, and we, absolutely. We, you, you talked about Clydebank there I, I saw that story as well and that was something that really warmed my heart um, I mean Clydebank's Clydebank is a story that we probably should dedicate a bit of time for in, in, a, in a future episode to really sort of try and chart the history of what happened there and where they've been since they've fallen out of the senior leagues and you know the various um, the various uh, twists and turns in their tale over the years um, before they fell out of senior football uh, and the fact that they could be coming back I, I think is I think is fantastic news. Yeah. The other story I saw just today or or yesterday was one about Kelty Hearts. Um, it was actually an, an article on uh, the Football Nomad website. Um, I can't remember the website, the web address for that, but we'll put that in the in the, in the show notes for this. Um, but it was the Football Nomad. He's, he's a guy that goes around, I think he's based in Clackmannanshire somewhere, and he goes around and visits different clubs at different levels of football and just writes about his experience there. I've got a little soft spot for, for Kelty Hearts. Um, it's quite 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 close to Kirkcaldy, so I've, got a, I've, I've been there once. I went for a... For a, a cup match last season, it was a, a local derby with uh, Hillebeath Hawthorne, and it was a fantastic day out. Mm. But the football nomad, when he went there in the last few weeks, he described his day there, and it was even more spectacular. You know, a real sort of lesson on how you can create a fantastic environment for people to experience a new football team. And he said he was he, he had because the football nomad is his identity. He can't he can't just choose one club to support. But he was sorely tempted by his visit to, to Kelty. <laughs> so, uh, and Kelty, Kelty are a, t- a team that started in the late seventies, maybe early eighties, uh, as an amateur club with with a, with a goal to be a strong amateur club. And almost, you know, unintentionally, they realised they could compete against the juniors through a friendly match against against the junior side. So, went into the juniors. They've had a very very successful time, uh, particularly the last the last decade. They've had a great time. Um, they won two of the last three seasons in the East of Scotland League and were runner-up in the season in between. Decided to step out of that setup and go into into the, uh, I guess, is it the lower league? I can't actually remember. It's maybe the South of Scotland League that they're in this season. Um, but they're absolutely, it must be the South of Scotland League. Um, it would be the Lowland League. We'd, we'd, we'd hear a lot more about it. But there are 18 games played, 18 games won, eight goals conceded in the season and something like 121 goals scored it's a fantastic story they're, they're playing great football um, they've got a great setup, lovely ground uh, passionate fans and there's so many of these really heartwarming success stories uh, in, the, in the in the layers of football below the 42 in Scotland and there's so many clubs out there that are trying to do something pretty special um, and we should give them more attention and give them more support and we will, we will, we'll uh, we'll make sure we do uh, certainly Clyde Bank and uh, and hopefully Kelty and I'm not sure if I ever mentioned but my uh, my partner lives opposite the football ground so um, 
so she's, I she's Kelty, is she? She is. She's a Kelty girl. So uh, <laughs> right. I, I I often see on a Saturday the kind of the setup they've got there. But you know, as you say, really very impressive um it's open to the community as well as far as i can tell um you know i think the council own the pitch but it's open to everyone to go and enjoy and um yeah great setup and lots of lots of aspirational clubs down there that are doing things the right way and i think probably the rest of other uh sorry the more senior clubs certainly could learn a lot from them so we will dedicate more time to perhaps some of those aspects um, we should point out that the reason that we're doing this part of the show over Skype is because the beast from the east has got the better of us. Uh, and, uh, You're not talking about my wife, are you? <laughs> that's very rude, Alan. I'm deeply offended on, on your, your lovely... You're going to edit that out, though, aren't you? <laughs> no, it doesn't listen. Oh, uh, dear. So... Um, yeah, so we were defeated by the weather, weren't we? But we were able to obviously make the interview with Chris happen. But it did throw up. Uh, obviously, the weather conditions have thrown up a couple of interesting talking points this week. And uh, we're doing this interview, having just seen the Queen of the South announcement that they were a bit unhappy that they've got to traipse all the way back up to play a, a game with three days' notice against Thunder United. And in that statement from Queen of the South, they talk about the impact on supporters having to travel up um, you know, try and negotiate time off work with two two working days notice, uh, and all the uncertainty and the and the danger that 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 people face by having to get on the roads when they might not all be be that all that safe. I mean, at the moment the, the snow is forecast to continue through the weekend and into Monday, so is it actually going to be safe to travel up to, to the game on Tuesday? Now, it's, it's one of the things about football supporters is that we're passionate uh, and you know it's maybe too literal, you know, a diehard nature will put ourselves in extreme danger just to see a football match. Mm. The fact that the match is on and our team's playing, we want to be there, we, we need to be there. Uh, so there'll be people making making journeys that maybe for any other social occasion or work occasion they wouldn't make. Um, and it did strike me when I read Queen of the South's excellent statement on this, um, that actually they should be thinking, the leagues, the clubs, everybody should be thinking about the the supporters first, mm. uh, not as not as an afterthought. You know, we, oh, they obviously they want to get the match played. They want to get, uh, you want to get points on the table. They want to get you know matches played where players are fit. Whatever the concerns are, but actually the more important thing is you know putting people in danger for the sake of football. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I, I was uh, I, I thought it was an excellent statement by Queen of the South. I'm not sure it will make all that much difference. Um, my club, we've got, a, we've got a game that we're meant to have tomorrow that's been rescheduled. It might be on Tuesday as well. I'm not sure I'd want to travel up to Forfar uh, if it's still snowy. So this is, this affects uh, fans of fans of football across Scotland. Um, and it did strike me that we actually need to be thinking about you know the people who are going to be putting their lives on the line first and yeah. foremost yeah. Uh, when we make these decisions. Yeah, of course. And of course, you know, we're, we're sympathetic to uh, the people that are charged with uh, arranging the fixtures because... You know the the weather can be so unpredictable. You you really can't uh, call it. But it does throw up an interesting point about how decisions on fixture scheduling are made. And um, I was recently fortunate enough to go to a, an SLO, uh, sorry, supporter liaison officer convention in Austria, where they were talking about in Austria the supporter liaison officers vote on their preferred kickoff times, and they have a much really. 
bigger stake in how fixtures are scheduled and the times that they're played and um I would really love to see that kind of supporter involvement in these kind of key decisions um being made um uh, and I think that's something that you know we should be looking at to other other leagues and seeing how how decisions are made and I think it would improve the whole process yeah we're we're fortunate Scott we've got quite quite a well established network of supporter liaison officers I think at the last count uh, more than half of the senior clubs in Scotland and almost all of the clubs in the first, in the top two tiers of the 42 have SLOs in place. Yeah. So yeah. It, it did, that's, that's, an, that's an intriguing one. If, if it works in Austria, why can't it work here? Yeah. Um, if yeah. we can get that network together, actually helping to advise the leagues, the, the authorities, the clubs on, on setting policy about some of those things that have a have a big big impact on supporters that would be that would be really positive yeah absolutely they all got a, a sticker at the start of the season and they kind of go and vote on their preferred their team's preferred kickoff times and and it goes like that so you know they're much more central to how decisions are made and how the league um, puts out the fixture list so i i don't see why we shouldn't be looking at that and it doesn't have to be the same but we we should perhaps be looking at a process where supporters are more represented in those in those processes it is um uh and that's that's about it for this week isn't it so we've um we've sort of covered all the bases but uh we'll be back next week um with a undecided we're not we're, we're not sure on uh who we'll have on next week but uh we've put a little bit of time to think about it and hopefully it will be uh, just of equally as good caliber as this week's and chris that's right we've got i've got a couple lined up for the following weeks um but we'll we'll put our thinking caps on and we'll see what we're going to bring you next monday Absolutely. Yes, so uh, wrap up warm, uh, have yourself a pint and wait for all of this to blow over. Behind the Goals is a Supporters Direct Scotland podcast. You can get in touch with the show by emailing behindthegoals at hotmail.com or you can also tweet the show at SupDirectScott. That's S-U-P-P Direct Scott.